I'm Lisa Dumas, therapeutic yoga educator. And I'm Amy Pruitt, a registered nurse, a yoga teacher, and I own a yoga studio. And this is the Radiant Warrior Podcast, where we offer skills, inspirations, stories, and guests to help us live a life of purpose, contentment, and self-worth. Our intention is to share how our practices support us in our contemporary lives and help us to reclaim our courageous hearts. Hi, Amy. Hi, Lisa. We have a wonderful interview to share with our listeners today. We invited a master's level counselor onto our program to talk about how we're all dealing and some strategies for processing our emotions during this time. Um, there's some lighthearted conversation, there's meaningful conversation, there's a lot of useful skills that I think everybody can take away from the conversation to come. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to Susan. She soothed my soul while we talked, and I think our listeners will really enjoy some of the tips and practices that she offers. Yeah, the big question whenever we connect with our friends and our loved ones has become so hard to answer. Are you relating when you talk to somebody and they say, how are you? <laughs> and I'm like, I that is so complicated to answer right now because it's so inauthentic to say, oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> right. And what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> right? it, yeah. Because it is changing daily, but we do, you know, this is the time where we check in with one another. So um, what has been happening for you? Our listeners know that you are in the medical system in Columbus, Ohio. And in this episode, we talk a little bit um, about how you've been feeling. But where do I find you now? So you find me in my bedroom in Columbus, Ohio, underneath the blankets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I am off from the hospital today. I was there the past two days and I'll be there the next three days. It feels very surreal and... I've had people reach out who I haven't heard from in forever and ask that question, how are you? And I have not a great mm -hmm. <laughs> succinct answer because no. I'm, I'm all the things just like I'm sure all of our listeners are. I'm just all the things. And that's why we did this episode because we are all the things. And I think that Susan in this interview speaks so beautifully about how we can honor that and how we can remember that that's certainly one thing that we all have in common right now, that we're all just humans doing our best when it comes to our emotions. Yeah. How are you doing? As I, <laughs> as I do share in this episode, I have noticed that I've been very much distracting myself because I have a strong purpose right now. And that is that I've taken all of the physical class times that I held here in Vancouver, and I am offering them online. And so that has taken a lot of effort and energy. And I noticed that it has been a welcome distraction to be just very singular in that purpose. But the beauty, speaking of hearing from people that you haven't seen for a long time, the beauty of that is that I'm reconnecting with friends and students that in some cases haven't practiced with me for 10 years because I've moved in the last 10 years between San Diego and then the Okanagan, and now I'm in Vancouver, and in all of those places, I was offering yoga. So it has been a gift, and I think a lot of people can relate with that, how in this time, it has brought old friends and old connections out of the woodwork, and we're reconnecting with one another. We're checking in with one another. I can relate to that. I can also relate to 
the idea of really reevaluating things or processes or relationships that maybe aren't serving you anymore. I don't want to say cutting out the fat, but these scenarios show people's true nature and or their character. And I think I've shared with you, was it last week I shared about the list? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you have a FU list going. <laughs> yeah, I do. I still do. I think I'll have that forever. Um, but and it's and it's little things and it's big things and it's companies even even emails that I'm getting that feel very um, inauthentic or commercials of companies that I feel like they're they're making me feel or I'm feeling a certain way when I'm watching them I just kind of secretly add them to the list <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I mean it's a it's a fine line because here we are in these times and a lot of people are feeling it financially in devastating ways and it's mm-hmm. it's balancing offering because we still need to keep life going in some way now that it's very clear to us that we're at home we're at home and we don't know how long we're going to be at home which is another reason that we wanted to air this conversation with this counselor because that's a lot to grapple with it's a lot of time to grapple with and there's a lot going on in our our households let alone our minds but i i i know what you're saying it's such a fine line when you are a public company what you are doing to really truly help and how we are balancing economic fears with health fears and it's scary for people who have to make decisions based on economic fears over their health yeah yeah and I work with a company locally that's helped me a great deal with starting my business and they just came out with a new um, mission statement and it was so beautiful because it it was very simple and it in the first part of the mission statement was um, you know we care about the health and well-being of our people and we care about the health and well-being of our staff and we care about the health and well-being of you know our our business and it was like the business came mm-hmm. i and i'm i'm shortening that it's much smaller than what they did they wrote it much more eloquently than i'm sharing but but their priority their prioritization of people over everything else mm-hmm. struck me as like yes yes mm-hmm. that's so beautiful and i think in a lot of companies and a lot of politics and a lot of policies that gets the people the actual human beings can get lost or forgotten or deprioritized and so i think this this putting people even strangers health and well-being above anything else is really a beautiful thing right now. Most people who listen know that you and I are talking across the borders. You live in the US and I live here in Canada. And when we're watching the news, we see very different messaging when it comes to health departments of different states and different provinces and then leadership in the country. And I know you wanted to send a message to my fellow Canadians. (laughs) Yes, I wanted to send a message to my beloved fellow or my beloved Canadians across the border 
there are millions and millions and millions of us in the U.S. who do not listen to nor agree with the policies or the recommendations of our leader of our country. We firmly, and I'm speaking for myself and those around us, will do everything in our power to keep us, our loved ones, and our communities safe. And we encourage you to do the same, that we are empowered to take our health and safety into our hands. And this idea that the economy is more important than human lives is criminal and absurd. And there are news stations in the U.S. now that are refusing to air the press briefings from the president because they can't fact check them before it goes out to the public. And I firmly support and agree with that. There is messaging that is dangerous to spread to the public that this is short term, that this will be over before we know it, and that we have to do everything in our ability to get the economy back on track. That's criminal and barbaric to put the economy over people's lives. And to not recognize that the economy is directly linked to the health and safety of people is blind. So that's what I have to say to Canadians that we in the US, those around me, do not endorse or believe in the messaging that is coming periodically from Washington. I would also encourage you, Amy, I haven't ever talked to you about this before, but to look into our broadcast network, the CBC, because I remember when we lived in the States, we never got any news from Canada. But here in Canada, you know, we have all of the American networks. And so we get all of the American news. So I know our listeners here in Canada appreciate what you just said. But in stark contrast, our prime minister in fact, his wife, um, it's been publicized, has tested positive for COVID during travels. Mm -hmm. And so she's been quarantined inside their home. And he comes out onto the front steps every single day from his private home. And mm -hmm. he speaks to us about the importance of staying home. And there have been drastic measures here in my province of British Columbia because you know, the weather has been so incredibly gorgeous, as I mentioned last week. And so people have been out. And we have a lot of public parks and seawalls where, you know, it makes sense. People feel like, oh, well, I can go for a walk. But if everybody is going for a walk, that makes the parks and the seawall very busy, um, as well as the beaches. And there have been groups of people still going and honoring that tradition of going to the beach and watching the sunset. And there have been large gatherings on the beach. And so that has been shut down. And in fact, here in Vancouver, we have... Well, you might remember when you were here teaching with me, but on all of our beaches, we have these iconic logs. And when I show my U.S. friends, they say, what, do you guys sit on those or something? Yes, that's what we do. They're these, they're these huge logs and we sit on them and they're almost like our restaurant tables. Like I've had the experience where somebody's come up to me and said, are you going to be leaving this log soon? <laughs> but that's, it doesn't matter what season it is here in Vancouver. If you walk by any of our beaches, you just see people sitting up on them. And the other day um, they were removed. 
that was actually incredibly sobering to see that like, yes, we need to be at home. We need not to be gathering on the beach right now. It is hard. It will be temporary. But I thought that measure just because of the iconic nature of those on Vancouver beaches was a was a message, a powerful message to send. Yeah. And it's not business as usual, right? It's not this staycation. It's not Mm -hmm. this time off. What people are doing by staying home is actively participating in the solution. Like it's not that people are left on the sidelines to just watch. Everyone can actively participate in the solution to slowing this down and stopping this by actively staying home and thinking about each movement. Our director of health department for the state of Ohio, Dr. Amy Acton, who is an angel, she said yesterday in her daily press conference that she said, I'm going to need Ohio to be quiet for a little while. And I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to need you to be quiet. And that resonated that that's an active thing that we can do for all of us for our health and safety is just to get quiet, to go inward, to do the things that we talk about on our podcast today with, you know, all the, all the tips that we talk about, but that's it. That's an active participation. It's not continuing to do the things, but thinking about the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect place to introduce our wonderful guest today. Really, so much helpful information is discussed. Her name is Susan Gutridge. She's a master's level counselor. She's also a registered EMDR therapist, and she runs a practice called Live Happy Counseling, which you can find online on social media and on the website. She also has a new book called Calm in the Storm, a collection of simple strategies you can use right now to shift out of anxiety. And um, how to get that important book at this time will be in our show notes. So please enjoy this interview. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Susan. Thank you so much for having me today. Amy, Susan is a very talented and skilled counselor who I used to work with at a wellness center in Vernon, British Columbia. And Susan, Amy is a registered nurse with 25 years experience on the front lines there in Columbus, Ohio. So I really take to heart the warnings that she has offered us here on this podcast. I'm having a hard time with that notion. You know, I am receiving a lot of really lovely messages and thoughts and prayers sent my way because a lot of people know that I'm a registered nurse. And while I am in in the hospital, I have my own guilt about the level of participation that I am partaking in on the front lines. I spent 20 plus years in the ER and my great friends that I've had for decades are literally on the front lines. And so I'm having my own struggles with my level of participation while I am working in the hospital of not being at the frontest of the front line. And and so I have my own guilt around that thought. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you, Amy. Um, and I just, I really appreciate that you're able to articulate that guilt that you're feeling and, and to put it in that context because so many of us are at home 
and not out there working and feeling guilty because there needs to be or there should be or maybe we wish there were more that we could be doing and you are out there doing the work and yet even in your role um, it's humbling to hear you say that you've got that same guilt that we're all feeling. I can only imagine for people who are at home or isolated, their sense of frustration about what they can do, knowing that I am actively participating in it and I still have my own frustration and guilt around it. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that we wanted to have you on today, Susan, is because we do see on the news these heroic healthcare workers that are literally, it's seeming like they're fighting a war. And for those of us who have been staying inside, and some of us are alone inside and feeling extra isolated, and some of us are inside with kids that are here round the clock and we're managing our own anxiety while trying to lead a household. Some of us have been in a rough patch perhaps in our romantic relationships, and now we are isolated at home together. So it's like we're fighting our own war on the inside. I mean, when people say, how are you doing each day? That's not even a question that I can answer because collectively we're watching the news from around the world and we have this deep sense of dread that something horrible is coming and there's nothing that we can do about that. And because I love Amy so much, you know, I I really make sure that I stay informed and I know what's going on because in honor of those healthcare workers, they have to hold the enormity. Like the enormity of it is right there in front of them. But it seems to me that for those of us at home that don't get to help in that way, it seems almost impossible to hold the enormity of it. It does. I think that maybe that's the gift of our, our brain and, and our defense mechanisms, so to speak, to get through the day. Um, we don't have to hold all of that enormity all at once. Um, but, but at the same time, we're all kind of watching this unfold at the same time. And whether we're watching it unfold in our homes, in front of the TV or with the radio on, um, it, we're a step removed from the nurses and all those folks out there on the front lines, but we're still exposed to it. And so you're right. It is, it is a big struggle that folks are dealing with. Would you describe this as a collective trauma? Ab- absolutely, I would. Um, a pandemic itself is is a crisis, and, and a crisis is traumatizing, and we're all in this together. I think as a world, we're all in this together. And so those are collective woundings. Can you speak a little bit more about that for for people who maybe don't have an understanding of what that can feel like? I mean, I know that that's a big question and that's complicated. I mean, for some of us, it might feel just this deep sense of discomfort or feeling like we want to distract ourselves all the time. But we have this reality where we're having to process new information very quickly. And again, I, I do really want to talk about the the aspect of holding that while in a space with family and trying to retain some sense of normalcy. What could you offer, first of all, just around processing trauma? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. At the core of a trauma sits um, 
a core belief, right? And so maybe we have a core belief of our daily life as predictable or the world in which we live is a relatively predictable place. And so this, this virus has really shaken that. Um, uncertainty is just, like you said, something's lurking around the corner and we aren't sure what's coming, but we got this sense that it's big. Um, and so that shakes our, our core belief that the world is a safe and predictable place. And so within that, there's all kinds of things that, that can come up. Um, grief, we're, we're missing life as, as we knew it, that routine of going to work or going to school or dropping by a friend's house. Um, sadness, maybe some folks are having a bit of panic. If, if they've left their jobs and they don't have the finances, that can spike them into panic. Uh, confusion, anxiety, even symptoms of depression and, and, and despair. So all of these emotions are just, they're just so raw and messy right now. And on a day where maybe these emotions came up and we were able to see them see those emotions and, and let them pass now they're kind of sticking on and, and it's getting a little bit harder for us to shift back into the present moment mm-hmm. and and so really really understanding the basic things we can do to take care of ourselves to slow down to be present for each other to keep connecting with people in this new um way right through technology keeping our our distance from folks to be safe, um, getting enough sleep. There's so many things that we can be doing to, to really take care of ourselves. And I think we have to do those things right now. So one thing I'm struggling with, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably feeling some of this too, is this comparison. Hearing people talk about their fear or their anxiety or what they've lost. And then I think there's this quickness to compare, well, that loss isn't as bad as this loss or this loss isn't as bad as that loss. And is there something that that we can do to hold space for each other without that comparison? I, I keep returning to this idea of grace and compassion when I try not to lash out at others, you know, when I hear them talking about something or being upset about something that I find trivial and I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be like an asshole, you know, when somebody is expressing their fear or their, uh, their, you know, sadness about something and trying to move out of that comparison space. That's something I'm just grappling with. Yeah, no, I, I actually really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I agree. We, it kind of behooves all of us as humans to just hold space for each other and, and have compassion. And the comparison piece, I think what it comes down to, maybe a few things, not all of us are great communicators. Um, maybe we get nervous when we're talking to others. Maybe we're just so wrapped up in our moment that we're not able to look beyond us. And so we say insensitive things or, or we make... Uh, the the problem that we're seeing seems huge and and we're just stumbling through the moment, sometimes not the best. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just when we see that, just, I don't know, put your hand over your heart and 
put a little, little tiny bit of pressure to just touch in to say, ouch, that stung a little bit, but that's just a human struggling and I'm here struggling and I'm just going to say, hey, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. It's a hard time mm-hmm. for all of us right now. That was so simple, but so beautiful because let's face it, our main form of communication now is being on our social media feeds. I've never been on my phone so much because yeah. it is that tether to the outside world. Not only is it information, but we get to see how our friends are coping and then we don't feel so isolated and we don't feel so lonely. But Amy, thank you so much for sharing what you particularly are grappling with. But just when we do feel that sense of being triggered, hand on heart, oh, that's just another human suffering. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The Radiant Warrior Podcast will be right back. Hi, this is Lisa. And this episode is brought to you by the digital version of my signature workshop, the Warrior to Warrior Workshop, Therapeutic Yoga Skills to Soothe an Anxious Mind and Body. This almost two-hour accessible yoga meditation and personal development workshop includes accessible breath techniques, movements, and grounding skills to relax the nervous system and promote the healing of excess worry. It intends to re-educate an overly fearful mind and relax a depleted nervous body. It offers inspirations to cultivate a kinder inner dialogue, uncover and tend to unhelpful thought patterns, and to build a boundary of self-worth to help build resilience to self-consciousness and shame. That's the digital version of the Warrior to Warrior workshop at lisadumasyoga.com. You'll find it in store. I do also want to take the opportunity to talk about different coping mechanisms and what I can see myself doing is just moving right into action. So I had a a weekly yoga teaching schedule. That studio not only closed down temporarily, but closed down permanently. And I just couldn't wrap my head around not teaching yoga or not having those regular students who'd been coming for five years have a place to practice. And so I, I did just right away go online. And so that has kept me so focused, just all of the back end of that, you know, letting people know that that's where I'm I'm at and and planning the technology for that. And we see so many of our colleagues in the healing space, teachers and thought leaders and authors moving onto an online platform. And I love that because we do need to pass our time in isolation. Like we, we it, it is incredibly healing to connect with other humans. But what I am realizing is that I'm totally distracted (laughs) by this purpose that I have. That does not mean that I do not feel that I'm in my purpose and it is helping me tremendously. But I had a moment yesterday where I felt like, I think I need to just take some time to feel. And I guess my question is, who wants to do that? You know, (laughs) I think I need to take some time to just really feel all of this fear and, you know, cry. And especially if we're in a house and we've got small kids around, I mean, can you speak to that? Yeah, that there's a couple things to, uh, that I could maybe speak to there. Um, letting yourself feel that that's so big and, and it comes down to this 
balance, right? Some some folks in, in, in my line of work often say, I don't want to feel because if I let myself feel, it's going to be this uh, gate that's just opened and I can't close it and I'll never be able to resurface and, and be okay again. And, and I want to honor that very real fear because I think for so many of us, emotion is just under the surface and the fear is just under the surface. And as helpers, we we want to get out there and help people. We're also maybe scared about our business and our finances, and we want that distraction, and we want to be there for our family. So there's all of this. And if we just pause and slow down and even just for five minutes or 10 minutes, sink into that emotion just a tiny bit, knowing that you will be okay. Uh, if, if you you know, zoom out the camera lens and and look at emotion overall, we have felt emotion and it always subsides. It always ebbs and flows. We aren't sad forever. We aren't angry forever. We aren't in joy forever. It's okay to sink in just a tiny bit and feel it because that's what grief is. It's feeling it in small pieces and then coming back to the present moment and saying, wow, okay, that was that was tough. What do I need to do now to get back into the swing of my life? And if we do that a couple of times a day, we're going to feel better overall because we're acknowledging, we're being aware of how hard this is for ourselves. We're also role modeling it for our family, for our kids, for anybody else that we're living with that, hey, we can sink into these feelings and feel them, but they don't take over. And we come out the other side and and we feel a little bit stronger every time we do that. That really resonated with me. For so many years, I was afraid to feel my feelings. And by not feeling my feelings or allowing the feelings to come, I really had this fear that if I felt my feelings, it would literally kill me. Like I I would literally die from how bad it was going to feel. And I couldn't see on the other side of it. And the amount of healing that has occurred in my life by feeling those feelings, I wish I would have done it so much sooner and not suffered through the amount of work it took to not feel the feelings. Yeah. And, and like you said, we have felt these feelings before, maybe not to this magnitude, but we have come out on the other side, we did survive feeling our feelings. And I don't know if you follow yoga girl or Lisa, if you saw her story just recently where she did this beautiful post and it was just her dancing and then screaming and then beating the shit out of a bolster and Mm -hmm. sobbing and raging and let you could just watch the emotion move through her in such a beautiful way and she was actively feeling her feelings it wasn't that she was suffering through her feelings or that she was overtaken by her feelings but she was actively participating in moving her feelings and i thought oh my god that like that right there was was such an amazing gift to watch that it's okay to feel all the things. And she did it in a, you know, she has a very small child at home and she did it away from her child, but she did it. And I thought that was important for the world to see that 
all the things like we're going to feel all the things and, and we will survive feeling the feelings. I haven't seen that video. It sounds absolutely amazing. And I love that she was courageous enough to do that on video to let people see the reality of, of our humanity that, that it, this hurts and we can feel it and we're going to be okay when we feel it. In fact, stronger on the other side of it. And it even, you know, it even helps just to remember that we are all grappling in some way that we can all relate with one another. And so even conversations like this, just, you know, connecting with you, Susan, it's, it's calming. Um, a lot of people are going through these emotions in a lot of different physical spaces, some, as I mentioned, living on their own. Um, I'm thinking a lot about parents with small kids. And yes, hopefully there is time to have a moment where you can shed a few tears and and scream and feel your feelings. Um, what about talking to younger kids about what's going on? Do you have any any advice on that? Because they can cert- they can most certainly feel. <laughs> Yeah, they can. Absolutely. I think the amount of information that's shared with young kids is, is it's really going to depend on that child and their age. And I, I think I, I'd want to encourage parents to make that decision of how much information is okay to share. If, if they have a highly sensitive child, a highly anxious child, perhaps watching the news in the same room with them wouldn't be a very good idea or talking about your own fears in front of them, tapering that down a bit because a highly sensitive or anxious child is, is going to internalize that a lot. So unfortunately, we're going to have to kind of check ourselves here to hold space for kids and, and their unique issues. Um, interestingly, this morning I received an email from um, a wonderful colleague of mine, and she was sharing a book that was that's just been written by Anna Gomez. Anna Gomez is a uh, child therapist. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, I've been so fortunate enough to take a couple trainings with her, and I just think she's amazing. But she just threw together a book for how to talk to kids about this virus um, in a mm. playful, respectful, kind way. I haven't read it. It's just on its way out. Um, but if you look her up, um, you'll probably find it on her website. Or I could even share the link at the end of this with you, Lisa, and you, Amy. And then if you could share it um, mm-hmm. on, on your website and then parents could access that. Yeah, we could definitely put that into the show notes. And, you know, that makes me think too, you know, I have friends who have younger kids and they have kids at home, they're working at home. And so they're coming up with structure and schedules because they they know that their kids do better with that kind of structure and schedule. Now, I'm a parent of a teenager and there's full resistance to any sort of structure (laughs) and schedule. And what I want to acknowledge. I learned this a few years ago, how um, I'll talk about myself, but I know that I think a lot of people, a lot of moms and parents could relate. We may not understand that we're doing it, but we can manage our own anxiety by moving into wanting control 
by moving into wanting to control our kids. That can be a distraction from our own anxiety. And I've noticed that in myself. I've noticed my thoughts going to, oh, you know, I wish she would go outside or I, you know, I wish that her days were filled with a little bit more blah, 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 like all of these thoughts. And I have to catch myself because I know that that's just me moving my anxiety into wanting to control something to wanting to control her. I'm not proud of those thoughts, but I want to acknowledge that they're there. Can you speak to that tendency a little bit? Absolutely, I can. I also have a teenager and um, I I feel so strongly just everything you said I can absolutely relate to. And I think because we've been teenagers and, and we've had this incredible struggle and we've come out the other side, we want to give them the gift of knowledge that we have. Um, and then there's this other piece of our own powerlessness. And when we connect into that powerlessness, we want to um, exert some some control. And, and I think it, it comes back to returning to the present moment to um, shift out of that emotion. And, and if I can, can I share um, a strategy for doing that? Please. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll back up and I'll, I'll give a little bit of theory first, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Dan Siegel, and he wrote a book with a gal named um, Tina Bryson, and in it's a it's a book for parents, and so in this book he talks about what mental wellness looks like, and he describes uh, if you are ever canoeing or kayaking down a stream or down on a lake, and the water around you is just perfectly clear. It's like glass. That would be mental wellness. And as you sit in that canoe on that perfectly calm lake, your thoughts are flexible. Uh, you notice that you're open-minded. Your thinking is is super adaptive. You're, you're willing to make compromises. The emotions you feel fit the situation that you're in. That would be the image of mental wellness. But we're humans and, and, and life happens and we can't sit in that perfectly calm water forever. And so Dan Siegel describes on, on one side of that uh, riverbank is chaos and on the other side of the riverbank is rigidity. And throughout our days, uh, throughout our hours, our canoe is going to drift over into one of those riverbanks, whether it's chaos or, or whether it's rigidity. And so if your canoe has a tendency to drift over into the riverbank of chaos, you're going to feel like you're constantly out of control, um, like you're on an emotional roller coaster with lots of unpredictable ups and downs. Maybe you're sad or angry, um, raging or anxious or whining or complaining, feeling confused, uh, disorganized. That's all chaos. But then sometimes the canoe might drift over to the side of rigidity, and that's where we feel unwilling to adapt. Our thinking is rigid. We're defensive. We will not compromise. We want to control everything around us. Um, so this image, if if we hold that image in our mind and we look at the situation we're in right now where there's so much uncertainty, and if that uncertainty um, makes us feel out of control, 
we're just going to feel this unconscious bubbling up of I need to control. And there's my teenager and, and my teenager isn't doing what's healthy for him or her. And I should help her. And here's how I'm going to help her take this um, schedule and you're going to live this schedule. And, and that's when we notice, wow, I'm, I'm really not on my clear water. I'm in the riverbank of rigidity and I need to push my canoe out because this isn't going to help anybody. And it's when we push our canoe out of that riverbank and pause and look at that human in front of us, they, they know what they need to be doing. And if they're not doing it because they're overwhelmed right now, they're missing their friends, they're missing their routine, they're probably beating themselves up and, and making themselves feel ter terrible. And we're adding to it when we react with rigidity. So pause, push that canoe back into the middle of the water and, and look at that teenager with love. And what do you love about them? And just get back into that place of love. And once you're calm and settled, sit with them and ask them what they need to be okay right now and to get on track right now. That's so beautiful. And I love the imagery. I'm definitely going to take that imagery of floating myself back more into the center of calmer water. And I also want to highlight something that you said that is true and that is the thought that I've soothed myself with, which is she knows what she needs and just trusting in that. Like I've talked about that on this podcast so many times that my big work as a parent is just trusting in her journey, you know, whether, whether it's what I would do or not trusting in that. And yesterday she said, I've, I've got to go for a walk. And I thought inside, you know, she knows what she needs. And after yeah. so many years inside, you know, she knew that she needed a little sunshine. So um, thank you so much for those soothing words. Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful image. And I think it can help anchor us and, and get us back into the moment with our kids and, and trust them. What about in your household, Amy? I'm thinking about you and Jeff, and you have a unique situation because you are a healthcare workers, and so you're both still leaving the house, and you might even be gone for longer hours than typical. How are the two of you um, quieting yourself and coming back to the present moment when when you're finally back at home, or are you seeing each other even less? Does that feel a little bit untethered? Our schedules are are pretty consistent right now with what they've been. We are both home in the evenings together and we're both gone during the day and our, our hours kind of vary during the day, but but we, we're typically home together in the evenings. And I I sent him a meme the other day that said, I wouldn't want to go through the apocalypse with anyone else but you. <laughs> and and I meant it. I I him and I share a common knowledge about what this really means. And that is a unique place to be. We don't have to explain it over and over again to each other, how serious it is and how important it is, the things that people need to be doing. I feel very lucky in that respect that I have a partner who gets it and is living it right there with me. And I wouldn't want to go through it with anybody else. And we have a relationship where we're able to show each other grace and give each other space when we can recognize that the stress is a lot or the stress is 
is really ramping up and and so I think that we're able to recognize that in each other and give each other what we need and we've just gone into kind of a a hardcore care for each other even more so about the basics about like the laundry or the food or um you know the hand sanitizer and just really caring for each other on a whole extra level because of what we recognize as individuals what we're going through and how we could be really good partners to each other so it is bringing out the best in both of us, I think, in our relationship. And I know that for a lot, this stress may not, that might not be the case in their household. So I do feel really lucky in that respect that I have a partner who is in it with me. Um, and there's fear too, because, you know, we love each other and there's a lot of safety in our conversations with each other. We can say things to each other that might not be um, publicly appropriate, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. about our frustration and our anger and our rage sometimes about the current situation. And it, it's a, it's a place where that we can actually speak to each other where we might not, we, I feel like sometimes I want to say things out in public. And I just have this idea that I'll be perceived as a lunatic sometimes or a raging, you know, person. And so I am lucky that I have a place where I can do that and feel supported and allowed to speak what's going on inside of me. Which brings us to a question that we did want to ask you. Um, I feel similar to Amy in, and I was just saying to Cliff the other day, I feel so lucky that we aren't in a rough patch right now that we're in a good place, but I can't lie. We've definitely been in those places. And I think about being in those places and, and the way that I would, I one time at one point saw him and the stories that I had about our marriage. If I was right in the heart of that, this would be even more challenging. And I wondered if you could speak to intimate relationships right now, isolated together, that might be in a place of hardship where there's challenge in communicating. What skills might you offer? Yeah, it's, that's a super tricky question. You know, um, emotions are, are so heightened right now. And so if somebody is also living in an unhealthy relationship or their relationship is going through a season of, of, uh, of stress, then emotion, we, we risk emotion being a lot more volatile. And, and so maybe people getting a bit defensive or lashing out in, in anger, or fear, or sadness, or insecurity, or whatever it might be for them. And so I, I almost want to take a notion of what Amy said a minute ago, where her and her husband, she, Amy, you just described you and your husband, um, looking out for each other. And I, I, I want to call it a game plan where maybe these these couples just have to sit down and, and say, for the time being, we need a game plan. So what what's our game plan going to be? If you need a break, I'll, I got to respect it. If I need a break, you got to respect it. If we're getting overwhelmed, um, have, have a 
a, a word that, that you call call quarantine time or something where you have to just go and be alone and then respect that that partner needs a few minutes alone. And, and I think this just might be something we have to do right now. And, and in saying that, I'm also struggling with saying that because I'm aware of how many, uh, just an awareness of abusive relationships um, yeah. and, and partners who might be abusive and, and that conversation would not be an option. And so for anybody living in a situation like that, please take care of yourself if you have a support system that you can call or text or email, please keep that open. Take longer showers than normal so you have a little bit of alone time. Um, if you have kids that you have to put to bed, have a little bit of a longer bedtime so you can cuddle and read a story that gives you a break from the day. Um, just really taking care of yourself in those situations where maybe you can't turn to your partner. Uh, in in all the moments that you need. It's heartening on social media, you know, especially on Facebook to see all of the groups that have cropped up in every city. Here in Vancouver, we have several online groups and there's just thousands upon thousands of posts every day where people are just coming and sharing their their pain and the fallout of crises in their lives and they're just getting so much love. So that is heartening to see. But then on the flip side, what I thought maybe we should also talk about is too much technology, too much information, um, too much in the phone. We, we need to find a balance in times that are so unprecedented. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, it's it's such a tricky one. Um, not even two weeks ago, I, I was telling people to get off their devices and, and put them down. And now I'm saying, pick up your device and to get connected. So <laughs> I, I, I know that this is a tough one. Um, if, if you live alone, yes, please use the device. If you live in, in a home where you're not supported, use your device. But if we come all the way back to the beginning of this conversation where we need to drop into our feelings and feel them, those are moments of stillness where we don't need the device. And and so then maybe put it down or put on some music and, and turn the screen away from you so that you're not being distracted by any messages that might pop up and, and use the device to soothe yourself with beautiful music so that we're not just constantly staring at it all the time. You know, taking those moments that we're already doing you know, we're already taking a shower maybe some people are taking a shower but um i've seen some ap apocalypse um wardrobes so i'm not sure if everyone's showering right now but, um, <laughs> but but taking those extra extending that time of something that that is comforting or soothing and if you have the time now, if you're at home to, to kind of marinate in those moments, I think that those tips are, are helpful for everybody, even if they're not in a, in a unsupported relationship, um, to, to spend the extra time because for some people they might have an abundance of time now to use those extra snuggles or read two or three books now at bedtime. I remember my kids were always trying to prolong going to sleep and begging for another book. And 
now it just feels like, why not? Our director of our health department for the state had this beautiful recommendations yesterday. She was, she talks every day at two o'clock. And if you don't feel supported by your government, I invite you to listen to Ohio's government because they speak in such a comforting way, even when what they're telling us is scary. But yesterday she was talking about the memories that we will be making right now during this time and how as adults, we'll look back on this time with a certain viewpoint or a certain lens, but our children or our little ones might look back on this time with like wonder and awe that all of a sudden they were the center of attention and they had all the time in the world to do the crafts and do the things and play and paint and read. And I thought that was such a beautiful break to look at this time through the eyes of a child as opposed to how we may look back on this time. And then to maybe pour our energy into that, how we could make it just so carefree as much as we could for them right now and put our energy into that instead of lamenting all the other things that we're sad about. Yeah, that's that's so well said. I, I so appreciate that. In um, kind of in the midst of any problem, there's still a sparkling moment. And our sparkling moment is that we can be present for people. We don't have to rush out in the morning with their lunches barely made or um, missing a jacket or your shoes on the right feet. We're just home. And we just get to see these people and spend time with them. And, and that is a gift in the midst of all of this. That's the last thing that we wanted to talk with you about the gifts in this. And that's part of human nature is we do look for those sparkles. And I know that this time has been full of joy for many because there has been time where before there just wasn't. And I think we're also getting a glimpse of what it means to slow down and the costs of living life at full throttle with no extra time and filling every space. It's uncomfortable to have all of this space for sure, but there's also opportunity there. And for people who have surrendered to the fact that I'm home. It's it's obviously not safe for me to go out unless it is absolutely essential. So I'm home. How can I make the most of it? Really, that's our option. Yeah. Um, what would you offer to people who this is now the time to get to the one day I will, especially when it comes to conscious evolution and personal growth? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think coming at it with intention is is going to be really important. You made me think of a a meme I saw, and I love all the memes that are coming out of this, just the humor, right? Our ability to have humor in in light of this very challenging time. And But this one meme was, I used to think my house was messy because I didn't have enough time to clean it, but this past weekend proved me wrong. And, and that's it, right? So we, we will still have a messy house or, or we won't pick up that book we wanted to read unless we put intention into it and actually decide on what, what is it that we want with this time. Do, do we want to reorganize? Do we want to um, start reading a book or learning a language or uh, teaching our kid to ride a bike? Whatever it is, if we don't put intention into it, we won't do it. And I guess that's 
the biggest piece with this time is how do you want to spend it and actually make a plan. And with that plan, do a tiny little piece of it every day. Let's share a little bit in closing of what that might look like for us, because I haven't mentioned this to Amy yet, but our family, one thing that we are going to achieve during this time is that my teenager is learning how to drive. Oh, yes. So we're just going around quiet streets around the block. It's something that she didn't feel ready for when she first turned 16. And so, and we never have time because when she's in school, she's there until eight o'clock at night with this theater program that she's a part of. So in one way, that's one way that we've been able to find the gift that we now have the time that she can practice that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's such a beautiful thing for you guys to do together. And you'll be so much more calmer in the passenger seat because you don't have something to rush off to do and the streets aren't as busy. How about you, Amy? Anything extra? (laughs) What are you watching? (laughs) I am watching really stupid reality TV, like the most ridiculous reality TV I can come up with. We need it. Right. It, because it's absurd. And, and that's what I need. I need, I do need to check out and um, just in the, the more absurd, the better. Like I just watched that Tiger King on Netflix. <laughs> I've been hearing everybody talk about this and I don't know what it is yet. <coughs> it's absurd. And it's, it was awesome. It was just what I needed because humanity is can be so funny and so I'm doing a lot of that because my time in the hospital is can be intense Mm -hmm. um I need to balance that with with not coming home and consuming any more news or talk of the virus I I am very well informed I keep myself very well informed during the time that I'm at work. And then when I'm away from work, I have to set it down. Mm-hmm. Charlie has gotten way more walks than he <laughs> has in his 12 years of life. And he gets to spend as much time outside now when we're walking. Before we were, when we would walk, we'd be on a mission. We're going to walk, you do your business. Then we walk home. I got to go to work, you know. And so Charlie is just loving, l- loving that. Our pets are really benefiting from this. That's for sure. Well, I've, and I've seen some funny memes about that too, that the dogs are super happy and the cats are super pissed, you know, (laughs) that, that all their people are home now. And I've even seen with so many yoga classes now that are streaming, how the pets are getting involved. And I love it. I just love it. I watched a yoga class the other day and she was trying to do chair yoga and the cat would not get off the chair (laughs) for her to to do chair yoga. So, and I'm just, I am finding, trying to make my consumption of social media or my consumption of reading or TV to be very intentionally silly or lighthearted or funny because, because of the alternative. I can't live 24-7 in in it right now. And how about you, Susan? Yeah, great question. Um, I also have a teenager learning how to drive. So she's been getting some lessons. 
Uh, I have another daughter who wants to learn sign language. So that's been pretty cool. And then just the day-to-day stuff that I've never been able to get around to doing. And this is awful, but my dog barks whenever she's in the backyard. So my mission right now is to train her to stop barking when she's in the backyard at, at nothing, really. She just barks. So that's that's my uh, my project. I'm going to have a quiet dog in the yard. Yeah, we need something to hold on to. And I love that we just shared those. That's just very, <laughs> very real, you know? Training a dog, teaching kids to drive, watching Tiger King. (laughs) What a treat to to speak with you. I've always found you to be so incredibly grounding and warm and compassionate. I miss being able to just walk down the hall and come and talk to you about mothering. Is there anything that we missed that you would want to convey to our listeners? I think if I could share a gratitude, it's... Some, something that I'm, I'm really appreciating is all the togetherness that's happening in the community in a moment where we can't actually be together. So the videos of Italians singing on their balconies mm-hmm. melts my heart. Um, the, the news broadcast of the folks in, I think it was uh, in the Maritime, who put all their Christmas lights back out and turned on all their Christmas lights. And in the community that I'm in, everybody's putting hearts on their windows and it brings up emotion. Even just as I, even just as I share it, just because we are all in this together and these little actions that people are doing independently bring us together as a whole. And I'm so, so grateful for that. I sent a video to Amy here in Vancouver Um, around the hospitals that are surrounded by apartment buildings at the shift change. People come out and tear their balconies and cheer. Ah, so beautiful. Uh, Well. You know, healthcare workers are feeling the appreciation and we have heard words like hero and warriors and going to war and being soldiers. and, And so we feel that. And in return from this healthcare worker, I can speak for myself, but I feel like I can speak for those I know. We are also sending back our appreciation to those who are taking this seriously. And we feel like those who are actively staying home and spreading the word to stay home and actively hunkering down and taking all the restrictions to heart. And we look at, at all of you as heroes because you are actively participating just as much as we are in slowing and stopping the spread of this virus. We can only do so much, but we turn to the public as heroes who are doing the things that we are asking. And it might feel like you're not doing anything. It might feel like you've, you don't recognize the importance of what you're doing by staying home. It might feel luxurious or boring or sloth-like. I don't know. Come up with your own word. <laughs> but, but we, as healthcare workers, from the bottoms of our heart, thank you for doing that. Because you are doing just as hard of work as we are to stop 
the spread of this virus. Thank you, Amy. Susan, how can our listeners find you if they would like to talk with you over Zoom or Skype or someplace digitally or on the phone? I We've done that with you over the years. Um, let our listeners know how they can reach you. Absolutely. All of my contact information is on my website. It's www.livehappycounseling.com. Uh, on Facebook, it's it's the same name, Live Happy Counseling. And on Instagram, also, same, Live Happy Counseling. And you have a book that we can read, do you not? I do, yes. Uh, super exciting. That came out, uh, it was released at the beginning of February. And it's a book on regulating emotion. So I, I really come from the standpoint of sometimes emotion is really, really strong and we need a way to just shift out of it because once we shift out of it, we can get back into the moment and then make a plan for what we're going to do and how we're going to handle this moment. And that comes before anything else, before we can process trauma or or reconnect with family and friends, we have to be able to shift out of that strong emotion. Um, And so that's, I, that's what I did. I, took what I do individually with clients and packaged it up into a book and it's called Calm in the Storm, a collection of simple strategies you can use right now to shift out of anxiety. Well, we will put all of those links in our show notes. Again, thank you so much for your time, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking to you both and and speaking to this subject and also meeting you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.